Well, hey, we are, guess what, last week of this study on anger, anger management, uh, anybody want to grade yourself? Any, anybody graduating with summa cum laude? Anybody there? I, I'm not, I, I'm definitely not. Uh, how would you grade yourself? What do you think? Are you ready? Are you ready to face some, some heated conflict? Thank you, Richard. Well, hey, this is our last week, and so we'll just have to pray. I mean, I think probably if all of us scored us, we'd probably scored ourselves, we'd probably get some varied answers on how we deal uh, based on the day. You know, some days you do, probably do well dealing with your anger. Other days may be uh, really bad. But, uh, uh, but hopefully, I, I'm convinced that these scriptures are, are going to really help us to, to deal with this situation. Uh, Sunday after next, we're going to start a new series in here, and each of you grab this postcard that you probably have. I want you to do something with this. I want you to mark your calendar. Uh, and a couple of things, if there is some information, if you want to invite someone to come with you on the 28th as we begin this, uh, there is a Facebook page for this. If you, uh, How many of you are on Facebook? I mean, I'm not on it a whole lot, but I am on there. If you put in your little search engine and go to Christ Church Equip, that's what uh, our 9.30 time is called, and you'll find some information about this. So if you've got somebody that, that, that you, you're on the phone with them and you want to invite them to it, you can tell them to go to that particular page on Facebook and they can become a fan. But uh, we'll begin this in two weeks, uh, this question of what is God like and uh, answering uh, all these different questions about who is God, what is He like, and we'll kind of contrast that with who we are and uh, who is God, who is man. But uh, there's all sorts of questions. If you look on the back of this, you'll see all these different types of questions. Is Jesus God? What is God like? Uh, one of the old questions that people have asked for, for so long, can God create something so heavy that he can't pick it up? Why do we believe in the Trinity? Uh, a lot of times you hear this being described as the nature of God or the attributes of God or the characteristics of God. We don't really use the word nature or even attributes a whole lot in our, in our language today. We don't really say, what are the attributes of uh, Kathy Anderson? We don't say that. We just say, what's Kathy like? You know? And uh, so that's, or, or, des describe her. Describe uh, Dale McLean. What type of person is he? Well, we're going to ask that question about God. Look in the scriptures. How does the scripture describe God? And um, I think you're going to be really amazed and just... Uh, uh, how much you learn throughout all this, and we're going to talk about the doctrine of the Trinity, uh, which is one of the, you know, if you look at our statement of faith at Christ Church, if, if you get on our website, uh, how many, and let me just ask this question, how many of you, when you were looking around for churches, did you ever go to the, web, the church website? Raise your hand if you ever did that. Okay, some of you did, all right, and, uh, but if you go there, you'll find something called a statement of faith, or some churches will call it a doctrinal statement. Or some churches will just, just say what we believe. Okay, they're all the same. Doctrine is a teaching. Uh, a statement of faith is basically a statement saying what we embrace. And uh, when you check out a statement of faith of a church, it better line up with what the scripture says. You know, because that should be what we're believing in. Everything that we believe in should be coming from this Bible, not from our own opinions. And so... But uh, on most churches' statement of faith, there's something there dealing with the nature of God. How, wh how does the Bible describe God? You know? And so we're going to be looking at that. This is probably going to be you know, like a, a two- or three-month study. And, and here's the thing. Why is this so important? 
I'll share with you why it's been so important uh, for me. And I, I may have told this a couple of weeks ago. I think I did in here. That when I was growing up as a Christian, I became a Christian when I was 14. So I was in ninth grade. And, um, but as I, as I got into high school and into college, I, there, there was something I discovered I was, I was really missing. That uh, I, I was growing as a Christian, but this whole thing about praise and worshiping, you know, I would sit through a song like Dale and, and Lori were leading this morning, and I would say, well, that's a pretty song, but I, I felt like I wasn't really involved in that. I was kind of disconnected from the song, and, and finally I realized, you know, I, I don't really think I'm worshiping God. I'm not really praising Him. I don't really think I understand what that means, because I don't get a fuzzy feeling, you know, a lot during these songs, and I, I kind of would like to, you know, I'd like to get excited about these songs. And as I started studying who God was, I discovered something really interesting. I got excited in who God was, who God is. And I had a heart of thankfulness for thanking God for the things that he had done and was doing in my life. But the whole thought of thanking God for who he is, put aside what he's done, thanking God for who he is and worshiping him for who he is, recognizing how awesome he is. That was something I didn't have a clue. But as I started studying who God was, it was like, man, God, you're amazing. You're unbelievable. You're, I can't even completely understand you. And I started to get really excited about the fact that, God, you're unbelievable. And then it, it kind of dawned on me, I think I just praised the Lord right then. <laughs> I think that I know what it means to praise God. It's thanking him for who he is. And I thought, wow, that's cool. I get it now. But all that came from a study of, of who God is and appreciating him for who he is. So that's my prayer for all of us, that as we go through this study, uh, we'll be able to, first and foremost, be able to praise and worship God. But there's another good reason why I think God is going to use this in your life. And it may be one of those areas that may stretch you, may make you feel a little bit more uncomfortable. Uh, and here's another reason. In our area, we are surrounded by uh, churches, and I would say cults, that have an incorrect view of who, who God is, all right? We're, we live in an area where there's a lot of cults and false religions. Can you, can you name some for me in this area? And what I mean is, 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 is churches, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Uh, the Watchtower, Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, and, and we'll look at this a little bit. Uh, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses reject the fact that Jesus is God. And we'll talk about that. Uh, we have mosques in this area, okay? And uh, so uh, Muslims would have a completely different viewpoint as to who God is. So we'll talk about that as well. There may be from time to time that you bump into someone who has an incorrect viewpoint of who God is. And God will use this study to give you an opportunity to just simply share the truth with them. So uh, just uh, hope you look forward to that just as we jump into that. So, uh, and you know, I guess the reality is, is my kids have always asked some great questions. And this was, this was one of the questions that, uh, that they've always asked. Uh, I remember one of my sons, we, we used to have, my kids used to have bunk beds. When we were living in our other house, they, we, they, lived, they, they lived, they lived in one room. Uh, we never saw them. They just lived in there. They cooked for themselves and all that. And all. But uh, they, had, they had bunk beds in one room. And so a lot of times when we'd go to uh, tuck them in at night, it would be Kim and I having a conversation with both of them. And, but I remember one night uh, uh, sitting in, in bed with Josh, and Josh had the bottom bunk. And, and Josh was only probably like three or four years old. And he said, Dad, can God see us right now? Yeah, he can see us right now. 
And so, and we were kind of, we were looking up. We were actually laying down on the bed looking up. So he can see through the clouds, yeah? He can see the roof of our house, yeah? He can see through the bunk bed, yeah? And see us, yeah? How does he do that? I don't have a clue. <laughs> That's God. God is unbelievable. He's amazing. And so we'll look at that. Okay. Hey, let's do this. Let's jump back into anger management. We're on the final page of your outline. If you've got your outline, we're on pages seven and eight. And we will finish this morning. And uh, last week we talked about listening. And we talked about uh, what is, if you're in the midst of a conflict with a friend or a spouse, what, why is listening so important? Why is listening so powerful, so important to defusing conflict? Why is that? What does listening do? Yeah, helps the other person. Everybody hear that? Helps the other person to know that they're being heard and being understood. Did I listen to you correctly? I did. Thank you. Okay. All right. Uh, you know, that's, that's real important. Uh, we talked about last week what happens when you feel, what happens to you when you feel like you're not really being listened to. And we talked about that uh, if you're not being listened to, you're being, come on, speak up, ignored. Wow. Sometimes that's intentional. Sometimes that's unintentional, right? But either way, the, the result can be the same. I feel like I'm being invalidated. I'm not important and things like that. So we also talked last week about reflective listening. Does anybody remember what that was? Or let me put it in a different way. How can the drive through experience at McDonald's help us to be better listeners? <laughs> huh? They repeat your order. They repeat your order. All right. And why do they repeat your order back? To make sure they understood it. So translate that over into a conflict between a husband and a wife. What would be an example of that? Yeah. Repeating back, like let, let's say that Kim says something to me that, that bothers her. I, I don't like, I don't like it when uh, the garbage is overflowing or something like that. I'm purely hypothetical, okay? Because I always get the garbage taken out right on time, okay? No, but uh, and and, may, and what I have to do is I have to say, look, um, what I'm hearing from you is that you really don't like it when I ignore the garbage in the garbage can. Is that right? That's correct, you know. And, and because a lot of times there's a lot of things that are expressed and it takes a couple of times to make sure that, that you got it down. There's been times where I have repeated back something to Kim and say, hey, I, I, I think what you're saying is you're feeling this way. Is that right? And she'd go, uh-uh. <laughs> you, you know, and, and I really was listening, but I, I, I was listening with my ear, my head, but not with my heart. Okay, does that kind of make sense? And so sometimes the person talking if the person is really listening and they don't really understand, then maybe the person talking has to give more information to explain that. You know, it goes both ways. But the importance of listening, so, so important, so powerful, and uh, how listening a lot of times can diffuse an argument, can diffuse an argument that's about to explode. So there's a lot of power in that. And uh, so let's do this. Turn over to page eight. This is our last page in our study. And we're talking about uh, part four, taking control of yourself. God is helping me to control my anger. And let's do this. Turn to Proverbs chapter 29. Proverbs 29 verse 22 is where we are. And if you've got your, if you've got your outline, there's a little subheading there that says, don't provoke others. The old saying is that misery loves company. It's true, unfortunately, at times in our flesh, we may feel a sense of satisfaction 
if we can bring the other person to anger. That ever happened to you before? Where you know somebody, anybody ever had a situation where you know somebody else was trying to provoke you to anger? Anybody want to share that? No. (laughs) And don't incriminate your spouse publicly or your your children. I've got two of mine in here, so. But uh, an example where unintentionally or intentionally you know that somebody was, that's the way you felt like they were provoking you to anger. Okay. Let's look at this. uh, Keep reading on our outline. It says, it can give someone a false sense of justification for their own anger. In other words, I'm really mad. I'm really ticked off. And if I can get you ticked off, maybe that'll make me feel a little bit better. Maybe I can feel like I'm justifying the way that I feel if I can get you to feel that way. You know, a lot of times that's what's going on. If I'm angry and mad, it makes me feel better if I can get you mad too. Provoking someone else to anger is very selfish, but yet we're that way sometimes. At times like this, it's better to withdraw from the conflict in order to avoid provoking someone. All right, let's look at some of these verses of Scripture. Hey, and let me ask you this. What's the opposite of provoking someone to anger? What would be the opposite of that? Extinguishing the anger, diffusing the anger. How do you do that? Stay calm, all right? All right, a soft response. What if you know that they're mad at you, they're directing their anger towards you, and, and, and you, really, you, you really feel that they're really in the wrong, and maybe let's say they are, then what do you do? In that case, if you're not going to provoke them to anger, then some of the responses have been to remain calm, to diffuse the anger, to, extingu- to extinguish the anger. Well, how do you do that? Do you pull out a, a fire hose and hose them down? All right, say you're sorry. Yeah. Again, it's that whole issue of being calm and listening. Even if you may feel like you're a doormat. Now, there, there are certain situations where, yeah, if, if you're getting verbally abused or something at some point, then maybe you should with, withdraw. There's a point to where, you know, this person is, you know, they're, they're not making any sense. And all they're doing here is to try to, to ridicule me. Uh, at a certain point, I just need to get out of this. You know, this is not, not right. But, but in some cases, a lot of times, particularly with the people that we have a, a, a relationship with, Dale, I think what you said is true. If we can be calm, sometimes people, when we're calm, that will calm other people down. And that's a biblical principle that we're going to look at. Look at uh, Proverbs 29. And look at verse 22. It says, an angry man stirs up dissension, and a hot-tempered one commits many sins. A man's pride brings him low, but a man of lowly spirit gains honor. And again, you know, a couple weeks ago we talked about how the rest of the world does not look at things this way. That if, uh, if somebody's upset with me and I'm just kind of sitting there and just kind of listening, letting them get it out of their system, and not really retaliating, okay, then a lot of people would look at me or you in that type of situation and say, you're just weak, don't they? What does the world, how does the world say we ought to respond in situations like that? Fight back and get the upper hand. Give them a piece of your own mind there, buddy. You know, that's the way the world would respond. It's, it's, now it doesn't mean that we cannot defend ourselves. We should. And, you know, we talked about several verses that talk about that we should speak the truth in love. There's always a time and place for that. And, uh, but responding in anger is something that God is trying to encourage us not to do, to respond with gentleness. And you look at this verse, it says, it's talking about an angry man does what? What does your translation say? What is an angry man? What's his goal? Starts fights, strife, contention. And, and, the, and the way that he does that, there's a phrase, it says he does what? Stirs it up. 
What's, what's the phrase? Stirring the pot. Man, how many people you know, that, that you know that, that are like that? And, and, and it says right here, this is the goal of the angry man, of the person that cannot control their anger, is to stir the situation up. And how many times in the midst of a conflict where you're really trying to help somebody or work through conflict, you're trying to sort things out. I'm trying to sort things out. Why is this person angry? What, what's, what's going on with them? Why are they angry at me? Am I at fault? Are they at fault? How can we work through this? How can we sort through this? But the angry man, that's not their goal, is it? It's to just stir things up. It's to start something. You know the whole, the whole phrase, don't start nothing, won't be nothing. You know? <laughs> Picking a fight and stirring things up where the goal is not to resolve conflict, it's to make it worse. Whether that's intentional or unintentional. And the reality is a lot of us do that at, at times unintentionally. And so what do we have to do? We have to go back and we have to apologize. I'm sorry, I, I lost control. I didn't have self-control. And I made things worse instead of making things better. That's what forgiveness is for. And, you know, we haven't said a whole lot about the, the phrase, I'm sorry. But, man, that phrase is very powerful. I am sorry for losing my cool earlier today. And what I said to you was completely wrong. And a lot of times we need to hear those, that phrase, I'm sorry. Uh, Okay, let's read a little bit further. An angry man stirs up dissension. A hot-tempered one commits many sins. A man's pride brings him low, but a man of lowly spirit gains honor. So there's this, for the person that, that is really trying to handle their anger and to manage it well, what is the answer that's given? What will they be given? Be given honor, all right? Honor, which is a, a neat thing. All right, look over to chapter 30 and look at verse... 33. For as, the churn, for as churning the milk produces butter, and as twisting the nose produces blood. Man, there's you a really cool image right there, isn't it? <laughs> you ladies are thinking, that is gross. Us guys are thinking, that's what I'm talking about. Twisting the nose, blood coming out everywhere, you know. It says it in the Bible right here. So, st- <laughs> so stirring up anger produces strife. So what's the image? Why, we're given two examples there to paint for us a picture of something. And what is the scripture painting for us here? Man, it does. And that, that this whole thing of, how many of you have ever churned butter before? Anybody ever done that before? Wow. Okay. Where did you churn butter at, Russ? <coughs> really? Well, that's cool. All right. Uh, how about you? At his grandmother's place? <laughs> Y'all are related. I mean, you think about that whole process of stirring something up, and then there's this other image that if, you know, like if I go up, Russ, can, can we do this? Can I twist your nose? <laughs> but taking someone's nose and twisting it, ugh. I mean, you think about that image and then somebody getting a bloody nose, and you think about this awful image that's being painted here, and this is all dealing with anger. And God's saying, if you think that's bad, the audacity of somebody to come up to somebody else and go like that, then uh, it sounds like something you'd see in the Three Stooges, you know, uh, of doing that. That's how bad it is with anger, all right? So take that image and let's read this. For as, for as churning the butter, the milk produces butter, and as twisting the nose produces blood, so also stirring up anger produces strife. Does anybody have a different translation? This is the NIV that I just read out of. The forcing of wrath, all right? Forcing of wrath. Pushing the envelope, pushing things, pushing people's buttons, you know, with that being the goal. Trying to, uh, to get to somebody, to get them upset, to get them stirred up, and has a, 
similar result. In other words, it causes pain. It causes pain. If you go up to me and twist my nose, I can guarantee it's going to hurt. It is going to be extremely painful. And anybody ever gotten smacked in the nose or hit in the nose by something? It doesn't take a whole lot. You can just have somebody come up to you and just kind of pop you on the nose, and it hurts. And, uh, you know, I remember uh, Kim was up here. Uh, we used to do uh, a Sunday night kids program. And one night we were up here, and uh, we had some little, little kids' golf sets, golf clubs and putters and stuff. And Kim, Kim was standing right next to a kid, and the kid went back and swung like that, and boom, clocked her right in the nose. Broke her nose. And so the next day, go to the emergency room and all this, and uh, the doctor's office, she had to have nose surgery. But, I mean, just painful, real painful. And uh, so that's what this is talking about. That's the reason why it's given to us here is to remind us that these things cause pain. Okay, let's look at the, the next few verses here just as we close. The power of extinguishing the anger of others. All right, a strategy for conflict. Man, what would, wouldn't it be awesome if every time that we were facing conflict, if we had a little alarm go off in our head that just said, all right, now just pause for a moment. All right, if you could take the remote control of life, you ever wish you could do that? If life had a remote control, what would you do with it? Russ said that he would hit the mute button for Julie. Mute. He needs to hit the rewind button. <laughs> hit the rewind button, okay? But think about this. If you could pause life and hit the pause button and go, okay, this is, it's, recognize, it's, it's obvious that this person is angry with me, so what am I going to do? All right, I've got to remain cool. I've got to remain calm. I've got to be in control of my own anger. And maybe I should try to help them deal with their anger. Man, if we could do that, if we could stay in control of our own anger and look at my friend or this person that I care about and say, I know they're angry with me, but what can I do to help them deal with their anger? Most of the time, what are we thinking about? Huh? <laughs> Twisting their nose. <laughs> in conflict, what are you mostly thinking about? Winning. Winning, yeah. All right, be careful now, Kim, okay? Be careful, please, sweetie, be careful. Okay. Um, sometimes I just mad and angry. They be out of What do y'all think? Huh? Saying what they really think? Yeah. It could go either way. And, and just, hey, and here's something. Is what I'm thinking always right? No. You know? And so just speaking your mind may not always be the wisest thing. I've said a lot of things that I wish I could take back said a lot of things that I was thinking that I, I really, they were sinful thoughts and I, and I was wrong and wish I could take it back, you know, so uh, you never know. All right, let's look at Proverbs chapter 15, back up a little bit. Boy, and look at verse 1. Man, this is one to memorize. This is probably one of the most difficult, I think, verses of Scripture. A gentle answer turns away wrath. How? How does that happen? diffuses the situation. It's not typically what we feel like doing, is it? We feel like retaliating in our flesh. You know, we have a defense mechanism, don't we, that all of a sudden pops up, you know. I mean, even, even naturally, if, if like, if, uh, let's see, I'm trying to, who can I pick on? Uh, Dale. <laughs> now, Scott, come here, Scott. Come here. <laughs> he didn't flinch. He didn't flinch. But most of the time, if, if you come after somebody like that, what are they going to do? I'm lucky he didn't, he didn't climb. So I saw a video a couple of weeks ago 
And it, no, it was, it was one of those uh, funniest home videos. And it was Halloween night. There was a guy on the front porch. He was dressed up like a scarecrow. He was sitting on the front porch just in a chair like this. He looked just like a mannequin. And a guy comes up trick-or-treating. And when he does, the, the, uh, the guy dressed up like a scarecrow jumps up to stare at him, and the guy just took him out. <laughs> just like that. And then he, he's like, oh my goodness, what did I do? What did I do? I don't, no, 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 that's okay. I'm glad, I'm glad to know that now. But there's this reaction. And why do we respond the way we do? Because that's the way we've respond, always responded in the past. And so how do I undo that? It's a whole thing of how do I change the way that I respond? And sometimes the way we respond is, is this defense mechanism. And maybe it's not to swing at somebody, but maybe it's to say, to say something, to defend ourselves. And I'm not saying that's always bad, but to be careful because it doesn't say that you shouldn't give an answer in chapter 15, verse 1 of Proverbs. It doesn't say you should be silent, but it's the type of answer that I give. It's not that I can't react or that I can't respond or that, that I should just stand there and just take it. No, but it says there is a type of answer, and it says that it is a gentle answer turns away wrath. Now, does that mean that, uh, that, I, that a gentle answer is that I sugarcoat the situation? And I water it down and, and say, oh, well, you know, it's just not a big deal. Don't worry about it. No, it may be that the gentle answer is, look, uh, I love you. I care about you. But right now, you really need to calm down because I want to listen to what you have to say. But I'm not going to take you verbally abusing me anymore. And so you need to calm down until we can listen. It may be that some very hard words have to be said, speaking the truth in love, but they can be framed with gentleness. And man, that is so hard. That's where it takes the Spirit of God in us to, to respond in a Jesus way, not in a John Horn way, is, is the truth. Is that, what does it take for me to do this? I can't do this, God. You're going to have to do it through me. The Spirit of God is going to have to be flowing through me to give a Jesus response, not a, a Horn response. Let's keep reading. Chapter 15, verse 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word does what? See there, that's, that's, it, there's our response right there. There's our response. That's the choice that we make in a nanosecond, isn't it? In a nanosecond, we choose that response to either respond gently or harshly. And, and that the, the, the opportunity is right there in the way that we respond to try to, to help either pour water on the fire of anger or to pour fuel on it, all right? To make it better or make it worse. And man, such... So hard to do that. All right, look at verse 2. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. What is folly? Foolishness. And it says it just gushes, all right? You see how the, 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 the writer of Proverbs, Solomon, is, is painting a picture for us throughout these different chapters of a person that does not control their anger. This foolishness just gushes out of their mouth like a spring, like a fire hydrant. If you've ever seen a fire hydrant just flowing full blast or a water hose flowing full blast, it says that the fool, that's what he's like. The fool is like that. The fool does not give uh, a gentle answer. The fool gives a harsh answer. Uh, all these other things dealing with uh, uh, the fool just wants to uh, produce strife and anger and things like that. All right, let's keep reading. Verse 5, a, spool, a fool spurns his father's discipline, but whoever heeds correction shows prudence. 
The house of the righteous contains great treasure, but the income of the wicked brings them trouble. The lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so to the hearts of fools. The Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked, but the prayer of the upright pleases him. Let's do this. Go over to Proverbs 21, 14. Similar verse. A gift given in secret soothes anger, and a bribe concealed in the cloak pacifies great wrath. Why do you think this verse is given to us? A gift given in secret soothes anger. What's the whole point of that person? That person is giving a gift in secret, but the whole point is to do what? To soothe anger. Uh, anybody have a different translation there besides soothing anger? Huh? Averts anger? Pacifies. All right. When you think of when you think of soothing, what do you think of? What's the first thing that pops in your head? Huh? A baby. A baby? What about a baby? And soothing them. What else pops in your mind? A bubble bath. Calgon, take me away. Man, that's exactly what I was thinking of. A sunburn and you put that aloe vera stuff on, you're like, oh man, that feels so good. And that's the picture there. What is the goal of this person? The goal, you know, a lot of times somebody gets angry at us when we say, well, you know, he's got a problem with me. He really went off on me the other day. So heck with him. Let him deal with it. I'm sick of him. I'm done with her. That kind of thing is is a lot of our attitude at times. Uh, Whereas the point in Proverbs is where we're actively trying to go to that person to do something to help them with their anger. And I think that's really, I think that's the heart of, of God. I've kind of joked around and said that's when you know you've graduated anger management is when you can say, forget about me. I, want to, I know you're angry about something, and I want to help you with that. And I'm going to do that very gently. And I think that's the very heart of God when God helps us to do that. Do this. We're going to look at one more verse, and we're going to close our study out. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. If you're like me, I'm thinking, God, this is easier said than done. But I know I get in some of these situations at times where I just respond like that. And I respond the wrong way. Something happens and boom, I get upset. And before I know it, I've already failed anger management. Lord, how do I change? Lord, how can, how can I reverse this process? Lord, how, how can you help me to slow down? I can't, there is no remote control in life where I can hit pause and I can gather my thoughts. Sometimes there is. Sometimes you can have a little time to collect yourself and get ready. I always try to do this. Anytime I know I'm going to meet with somebody and I know it's a potential area of conflict, I really try to pray and say, God, all right, help me with the way that I'm talking. Lord, help me to control my speech. Help me to slow down my speech. You know, I've told you all that when I can talk slow and when I can talk softly, that's the way, that's the way that, that I can control my anger. That's my best shot at controlling my anger is to talk slow. When I start talking fast like this and start like, that's when things are going to get out of hand. And, but the whole thing is, Lord, how are we going to do this? And the, the picture in all this is God doing it through us. Is submitting to God and saying, God, will you live, Jesus, Jesus, will you live your life through me? Instead of me trying to do this myself, I give up. I surrender God. I can't do it. Will you live your life through me? And uh, Philippians 4 gives us the answer to that. Look in verse, uh, verses 13 and 14. Specifically, look at verse 13. It says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. It doesn't really say that I'm doing it. It's done through Him. And so it's almost like I'm a conduit. I'm like a piece of conduit in the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that God dwells in our lives. And that if we surrender ourselves to Him, then God 
will come in and make, make his dwelling among us. And these things that we can't do, God does them through our lives. These things that I can't change in my life, God begins changing them for me. And the picture is, is it's not through my strength, but it's through his strength. So uh, pray that for you, that God will use these verses of Scripture. There's a power in God's Word that when we just take a, take a simple verse, just, you, you know, if you're overwhelmed with all these verses like I am, take one simple verse. Maybe it's a, a gentle answer turns away wrath and say, God, I'm going to memorize that little verse this week and help me to just deal with that verse this week. And you'll see God starting to change you and make you a new person. So... Uh, Anyway, if, uh, as you begin seeing some things happen in your life in this area, just even though as we're changing gears and we're starting a new study, please do this. Share it with those of us in here. If you something that's going on in your life that you say, hey, God's changed me in this area, and I just want to share it with everybody, please do that. That will be encouraging to our, our group here. All right, y'all. Well, uh, <clears throat> next week, David Bernard is going to be here to teach uh, while I'm on the mission trip. And then the 28th, we will begin this new study on what is God like. I want you to do this. Invite somebody to this. Invite somebody that's not currently in a small group on Sunday morning. And invite them to come to this. And Because this is going to be a really neat study that we go through. All right, let's pray and we'll be out of here. Dear God, we thank you, Lord, for your words on, on this topic. And Lord, uh, uh, we, we never really graduate until we die. Lord, until you usher us home and take us into your in your kingdom in heaven, Lord. But in, until then, God, we, you're still working on us. We're still being molded by you and being changed by you and, and, and being made into, into your likeness, Lord, uh, being made more like Jesus. And so, Lord, thank you for that, God. We thank you for how much you love us. And, Lord, help us in this area. Lord, just live through us that uh, we wouldn't communicate uh, the same, that we would be different as a result of looking at your words in Scripture. God, thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Hey, y'all have a great week, and uh, we'll see you next time.